0: Tell me why, you my so my life, long days and pleasant nights to you folks on this week's episode is eric tatora patu who's a decent friend of mine i'm I had a couple conversations with him he's a gifted animator and a pretty damn good writer to debut as well um we have a lot of good talks about what it's not. What it's like to be not white, and that's always fascinating to me, because I'm super white. Um, also, hopefully you know this already, because you listen to my stuff, um, check out my other two podcasts, Blank History Month, and also uh, Elevator Pitch. Um, Elevator Pitch should be out every other Friday, and in Blank History Month every Wednesday. So, here we go into the interview. Okay, we're on. We're on. We're on. Okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I just thought I'd make that clear. Um, again, the name. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> Eric. Just, yes. I got that. Eric. No. Uh, <laughs> Totora Yeah. Um, and I want to be clear, it's not hard for me to pronounce. It's hard for me to remember because I've never had to use your full name before.
1: <laughs> no, that's, that's entirely fair, you know. And I appreciate it because a lot of people... Uh, find it hard to pronounce it's actually um funny as a kid for quite a while i only used my um patronomic surname my mm-hmm. father's surname uh but i both started using my mother's because my that's my full professional name yeah uh eric to my full name is actually eric carlos Totorapatu. okay um which very traditional. It's my given name, my grandfather's first name, which is also my father's first name, mm-hmm. um, my mother's surname, and then my father's surname. Um it's very common in terms of an Iberian naming structure. Portuguese mm-hmm. names, the mother's surname comes first, and then the father's Spanish surnames. It's flipped. You keep
0: using the word Iberian and yes. I have no idea what that means. Uh
1: well, there's um The peninsula, which Portugal and Spain are on, has two names. Okay. Hispania, Okay, which I believe is Latin. Hence Hispanic. And Iberia, which is Greek. Okay. I think. Pretty sure of that. And, um, so that's the origin of those terms. And, um, you know, this this gets to kind of a complicated point, um, Mm -hmm. which is that, um latino hispanic ibero american mm-hmm. these are all terms for this large pan-ethnic yeah. group which includes pretty much everybody who <laughs> speaks spanish and depending on who you talk to yeah everyone who speaks portuguese okay um and depending on who you talk to like uh portuguese and brazilians were kind of the other latino and that's <laughs> it we're and that's For those of us who do want to identify that way, and some don't, and even some people who are Spanish don't identify as um, Latino or Hispanic. And, of course, there's a whole range of different, pretty much the range of different cultures, skin tones, races Uh that you see in America. Yeah. You see that same one in... Most of the Latin cultures, oh, it's sure. just that the distribution skews a bit more Mediterranean and brown, as you know. Yeah, a little it's, bit. It's kind of like the European color shift yeah. um, <laughs> uh, as you move. But, like, the thing about it is, though, um, it is such a bizarre thing, this this kind of pan-ethnic phenomenon mm-hmm. that happens in, in, well, I'm not sure if it happens anywhere besides the U.S. in the way that it does. Uh-huh because you talk about or you know we we hear people talking about like Hispanics mm-hmm. or Latinos mm-hmm. like it's all one group or Asian Americans yeah. like it's all one group and then you go into these groups and no it's, yeah. it's not <laughs> these giant balloons which I mean if you take Asian American and you mm-hmm. take la- uh, like Latino mm-hmm. um Hispanic Ibero whatever term you want to use and if you go to the root cultures, yeah. which would identify this, you get about three billion people. All right, like so that's like the origin, the countries of origins for these identities constitute about half <laughs> of humanity. Yeah, and in the U.S., two minorities. You know? <laughs> like yeah, exactly. All, which uh, and uh, you know it's it's this. This weird thing, but like for instance, one of the oddities is that the first term that was used for this ethnic group uh-huh. on the um, you know, some of this might be wrong, I've researched it a lot since high school, but um, you know, still human, yeah. Uh, but the first term that was used on the U.S. Census was Spanish, yeah. But initially, three groups in particular who you might identify as Latino or ibero or hispanic today were explicitly encouraged not to use that census category yeah and those groups were the brazilians because they speak portuguese not spanish Mm -hmm. the portuguese because we're both european and speak portuguese not spanish and the spanish because they are european yeah keep in mind the original term was spanish (laughs) Um, awesome. And over time, it's evolved in so many different ways. Yeah. But um, by... And here's actually an oddity of how it currently stands. Yeah. As far as we can ascertain a consistent government policy, yeah. by the definitions of groups like, um, you know, the Office of Equal Opportunity and Employment, um, the Transit Authority, the TSA the small business administration most of these organizations which reward things like protection or grants or legal protections um they explicitly include everybody of a spanish or portuguese cultural origin okay now um there's one major exception to that in the US government which is the census the census Asks that Brazilian and Portuguese people do not use the Hispanic category, even though all the other groups do. But now part of this actually makes sense in a bizarre way because, and this is myself included, I don't identify as Hispanic. I identify as Latino Mm -hmm. and Ibero and as... You know Portuguese and American, and yeah. as Italian American, because that's my heritage from my mother. Uh-huh. But Hispanic in the US has evolved to mean um, Spanish speaking, hisophonic, yeah. yeah. Um, which Portuguese cultural people were not culturally, yeah. we, we, we don't. Um, now, of course. The irony there is that most people who aren't Spanish or Portuguese can't tell the difference between our languages. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um anyways though, uh I feel like, you know, that's just <laughs> it, it's just one of those wormholes of identity yeah. that exists in the
0: in the US <laughs> yeah. and in life. Um and I feel like and I said this earlier when we were talking about this um it because cause the whole concept of race is ridiculous in as much as it's, i feel like it's mostly appearance based like like people are clumping people that look similar together and i get why we do it as a species but i don't agree well, with this, it.
1: this this is you know it's the funny thing right mm-hmm. is um even within my family and this is a point of contention within portuguese families I identify as Latino. Some mm-hmm. of my relatives do. Others don't. For instance, my, my brother doesn't. He he identifies as white. But now okay. we have a major difference in terms of life experience because I look more yeah, stereotypically Latino uh-huh. than he does. Okay. And I've had to deal with slurs and prejudice mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And, you know, the, the funny thing is, and this speaks... This speaks to something, and I can't speak for other people. Yeah, of course. But from what I understand, this is part of the thing that... This is something that I feel... Well, it's not even. It's not a unique experience to um, these groups, but it's definitely something that exists in, like, the Latino, Ibero. And, like, the whole thing with Ibero is it's a term which is meant to be the most universal. Okay. Right. Um because there's no question if you're saying ibero that's of course the irony is if we re- take the roots of the word back yeah latin originally comes from romance europe latin mm-hmm. europe which would even include france yeah and i don't think the french would be oh, yeah, okay w- with that in an american <laughs> context no i'm not let you um, know what you're
0: talking about <laughs> Don't you, I, I don't even want to be here. What are you doing?
1: No, they, the, the French aren't even white. They're French. Yeah. It's your it's, 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 it's own, our own uh, thing. <laughs> Just leave us alone. <laughs> um, but, but, um, Hispanic originally uh, meant the same exact thing uh-huh. as, uh, as I- Iberian. Yeah. It, it meant that same origin, but words evolve; things change. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the thing is though, you know, looking more like what people expected meant that I, you know, and I I remember being thrown these slurs and I don't like using them because they're horrible, but I'll use them for the sake of point now. But, you know, I remember the first time all in a swoop of people when trying to stand up to a bunch of bullies in high school in Syracuse. And we'll get back to how I've lived in a bunch of different places. Uh, but, uh, um, in Syracuse, I tried to stand up for uh, a friend of mine who was being bothered by these colossal douchebags. Yeah. And, you know, I just, like, tried to shoot a glare at them. And they come back, like, oh, what are you trying to do? Start a fight, you fucking wetback, you beaner, you spick, you dirty fucking Mexican. And I'm just, like, in I'm... shock, you know? Because also, it's like. There are all these things which, in retrospect, looking back even before then, mm-hmm. like, that I um, remember, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, the othering happens in a subtle way oh, throughout sure. one's life. Sometimes uh-huh. not so subtle a way, but you, you're just too <laughs> yeah. young to fully understand it. Like, yeah. I remember in... Grade school in Buffalo one time, mm-hmm. like just during a recess, you know, class of 15 kids mm-hmm. uh, divided up in two groups by skin tone. Okay. Um, nothing bad happened of this. Okay. In fact, if you were in a unique group, you were kind of lauded for being cool and different. Uh-huh. But there were three groups. Uh-huh. There were um, like uh, 13 um, kids of generally the same peach beige sort of tone Honkies um, Shall we say, although I'm pretty <laughs> sure they, they weren't all, looking back yeah. I'm pretty sure there was Um, a A Filipino yeah, girl yeah. in our class It's just she was fairer toned yeah, you know? yeah, And yeah. then th- this is kind of the bizarre Innocence of this kind of yeah. prejudice At the time, it's like oh, yeah. You're essentially you're, you're <laughs> you the, the right color yeah. and, then, and then there was me Essentially the right color <laughs> <laughs> Got just Um, Do do you listen to The Dollop at all? No, I don't. Uh, It's it's a really funny podcast that's essentially about how horrible mostly American history is.
0: Oh, for sure, yeah, Um, yeah, yeah.
1: And that kind of, like, just, you know... Mm -hmm thing comes up, and then there was me, yep. and then there was uh, Miles, the one black kid in yep. the class, and there you go. <laughs> um And then I remember a few le- years later, I believe in sixth grade, uh, the school, uh-huh. which was, and this was the same school at the time in Buffalo, that was probably the longest we lived in any one place while I was growing up, about six years across, um, let me think, two different houses. Okay. Um And... So the school, which was this little private school in Buffalo, New York, um, of K through twelve, mm-hmm. n- around three hundred fifty students total, excuse me, um, uh, was putting on the King and I. Okay. Um. Now the general distribution of you—you you remember I said one of my classmates was Filipino, right? yeah. Um, one out of 15 is a far too high percentage representation of people of, uh, Asian and Pacific Island and, you know, mm-hmm. East Asian descent at the school. So, because, you know, uh underestimating America mm-hmm. in this regard, in many positive regards and in many negative regards is always a bad idea. Um, they were putting kids into brown or yellow face mm-hmm. to play, all of the princes and princesses of Siam. Uh-huh, of course. And I, I was uh, Even cast... Even Lawrence Olivier is like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was cast as one of them, but uh-huh. then... Uh, this... Okay. Right, right, so this is where it gets fun. <laughs> uh, by which I mean horrible. Uh-huh. Um, and again, this is the kind of thing that doesn't occur to me at the time until yeah. looking back, but I was told, good news, Eric. You don't have to be put in makeup, you're already the right
0: color. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, uh, Just do grease instead or something, please. Uh, that's rough. I, I am half Italian. But
1: uh, again, you know what? Grease is inconvenient now too, when you're like that first song. Oh, it's a little Yeah, yeah <laughs>
0: a little not great. Um so you, you've moved around a lot, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um and you know, um My
1: parents are both uh, psychiatrists and researchers. Psychiatrists, geneticists, academics. My dad's actually currently dean of the School of Medicine at SUNY Downstate here in Brooklyn. Right
0: on. Um, But, uh, so... May I ask what their focuses
1: are? um, Well, psychiatric genetics in regard to... I think they've done a few OCD, Mm -hmm. bipolar. Then they also have individual specialties my dad has studied schizophrenia okay um my mother is a world authority in OCD okay and um they also know a few things about like bipolar disorder other stuff other focuses um mm-hmm. my mom would say about her expertise in OCD and we joke around about this too which is a bit of that is you do what you know exactly and, and <laughs> the, the the other thing that she she would point out though is it's only ocd if it affects me negatively otherwise it's not a disorder it's just obsessive and compulsive tendency. Yep, exactly yeah OCO. obsessive compulsive order. order um and uh so somehow out of that i yeah. lived a life kind of of a military brat except uh-huh. you know we said that we were research brats so uh-huh. genetic brats Um, I was born in D.C. Uh Uh, Every year we would go to Portugal. I'm not sure if I mentioned this yet now, but, uh, you know, I had to get a passport when I was zero and (laughs) my mother had to hold my head up in the photo (laughs) because I didn't have the ability to hold my neck steady yet. I I was three months old, but, you know, I've lived about three or four years of my life in Mm -hmm. Portugal. Um, I'm right now in the process of finally formalizing and getting my European Union passport. Oh yeah. Um, not that that's that useful in running away from anything, because as <laughs> as somebody who's both European and, and American, fuck, we've got a lot of work to do if we're going to somehow mm-hmm. avoid uh all of the horrible shit. Yeah. Happening, and you you know the sad thing is all the horrible shit can happen, and there's a good chance maybe even and. I'm often phrased by a lot of my friends as an optimist. Yeah, uh, but I would more say, and I think I am. I I, I say if I have a religious faith in anything, um, it's in humanity. Mm-hmm. But when I say that, I say in the same sense a devout Christian has faith in both God and the devil. Yeah, you know I i believe that our potential goes up in tandem our potential for great good is a reflection of our potential for great calamity and evil Mm -hmm. um if if you even want to use those terms you know if we want to be convenient for positivity and negativity (laughs) very nice thank you um but uh
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah basically we are the bipolar species yeah it's a it is this thing of like every, every um, human has the potential to be the world's greatest person and the world's worst yeah. like and, and you have and no and idea it's what's gonna cause debate yeah once
1: it... you approach but mm-hmm. the the thing um about that though is that you know a lot of my family like and it's it's amazing how much this came into focus the last year. Yeah, but so many people I know, including my family. My family moved to America. My dad's family. Yeah, um, when he was a kid, moved to America out of an autocratic, corporatist dictatorship in Portugal. Because <laughs> let me tell you something about the uh, Iberian uh, Peninsula dictators yeah they knew how to stay yeah what, like just be <laughs> there like salazar and franco were there basically from world war Two to 1970 wow yeah and so this is the thing like my um father's family was moving out from under the yoke of uh authoritarianism mm-hmm. fascism debatably yeah. corporatist fascism is mm-hmm. what i would say but there's some debate about that anyways it was shit yeah um, And <laughs> in, in fact salazar at one point uh he basically uh had elections but they were puppet shows yes they, they were shadow theater at one point he even created an institution their elected representatives were actually the ones who cast a vote for presidency, and he could control them as he wanted. Uh-huh. And this was called an electoral college. Uh-huh. And it it, it it just further fucked up everything. Uh-huh. Um, actually, and you know, this, there are so many ways, of course, which this plays into everything, but to get back to where I've lived, <laughs> yeah. just because um, I've... so. D.C. was born there. Then uh, when I was two, we moved to Long Island. Then when I was four, we moved to Rhode Island. When I was seven, we moved to Buffalo. Then we moved to a second house in Buffalo when I was about eight. Mm -hmm. Then we moved to Syracuse um, when I was, what,
0: uh... 13. Uh-huh. Um, then... That's we, gotta be rough. It, well... Well, you're hit you hitting puberty and you got out at a brand new place and stuff.
1: You know, but it doesn't stop there. Um, okay.
0: We, we moved
1: uh, back to D.C., to okay. just outside of D.C. in Bethesda, when I was 15, 16, yeah. and then when I had just turned 18 during my last semester, we moved to L.A., and I actually had to complete my last semester by correspondence (laughs) to my high school Walt Whitman in in D.C. Then Mm -hmm. I moved to New York for Uh um, college Uh where I went to NYU Mm -hmm. uh, for film and TV Mm -hmm. and then I moved to L.A. where my family still was and where Mm -hmm. I was spending my summers, splitting my time. I've actually always been a California voter Hmm. um, and still am a Californian citizen might switch that to new york depending on how things pan out or uh-huh. i don't know you know i might be voting by remote from portugal or something <laughs> although i i think i missed that point yeah in, in the maelstrom yeah which my brain often feels like <laughs> that's all right uh, you, you know yeah, um, I, I do yeah <laughs> uh, yeah
0: i had yeah yeah um uh, but, but the...
1: uh You know, there is this whole sense, though, there's no running away. Oh, no. Because, like, let me tell you, you know, um, America looks about as divided as it has since, let's say, somewhere around 1860. Okay. Which was generally accepted as a bad time. Uh Uh-huh. And um, we're currently in a mode where if things really go tits up in Europe... um will be entering the twenties, thirties, and forties with an economically panicked, uh overly nationalistic and highly divided Europe, which, in yeah. general, has been the worst case scenario <laughs> for humanity in the past. Yeah, I'd say a bit, <laughs> wouldn't it? In in general, but hey, you know, last time we hadn't invented nukes until the end. Uh-huh. But the thing is, we will probably like humanity. I think, I think we can beat this, but it's gonna be difficult. But yeah. So, then I moved to LA. You I went LA. to USC for grad school right uh-huh. after undergrad, where I got a degree in animation and digital art. Uh huh. So as this all might imply, the kind of stuff that I do in my life is I am an artist. You know, mm-hmm. I am a filmmaker i'm a writer uh if 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 there was a one word way to refer to it i would say that i'm a storyteller yeah first and foremost and i'm just collecting tools to do that and Mm -hmm. i want to be able to make an animated film or an animated series a comic book Mm -hmm. or you know a novel and one thing that definitely is trouble at times is a lot of balls up in the air yep and i'm like i gotta finish yeah one of these juggling (laughs) hacks you know really just for the love of god yeah and i'd say that that is my biggest goal in life right now since as soon as possible Mm -hmm. which is probably a couple of years away i want to finish a long-form narrative Uh uh-huh um most likely a novel or a live action independent film that's like mine and Mm -hmm. i say live action independent film because most likely scenarios but yeah. like, you know, I just want to be able to stick with something long enough to finish a long form story cuz mm-hmm. that's kind of my end game. Yeah. Um I kind of love doing everything though. Yeah. Which is the definition of a double-edged sword. Oh, for sure. Because, you know, it's like... As someone with three
0: podcasts, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. You know, as as somebody
1: who, in a year where I was feeling overly stressed about not getting work done, I started one podcast Mm -hmm. and a webcomic. Uh-huh. But, you know, there is actually... Yes, I relate. But there is actually something to be said for that, which is structure helps. Oh, for sure. Structure so much can help you get stuff done and Mm -hmm. focused, but it's often hard to establish especially when you have the kind of brain that's that's prone to splintering
0: yep you know um i've always thought the hardest thing for artists was to focus and be business people as well as artists because that's i I recently got into a conversation with someone on set where i was like oh that thing you said was very on brand he's like way to tell me you know i'm like no what i mean is you said something that was very yourself and that's a good thing and it's that same idea of like it's a business proposition yeah. and it's
1: you're in the business of
0: making stuff yeah it's fine and of it, course
1: you also have to be in the business of you yeah for sure um which is a bit a bit of a trick and mm-hmm. a bit of a, a bit of a difficulty one way that i have managed in my life because let me tell you this um okay uh NYU and usc
0: yeah
1: uh Their reputations are based about 90% on the network they bring with them. Yeah. Um, And 20% on very strong programs that they have. But at the same time, along that networking line, one thing Mm -hmm. that they drill into your head with a chisel is network. Always have cards. Always be ready. Always self-promote. Absolutely. And the one way I've managed to stay sane in Mm self-promotion is I shamelessly self-promote all of my friends. Oh, absolutely. Too. You know, it's just like, I'm not the perfect person for you, but, but I'm not the perfect person yeah. for you.
0: I know a guy. Have you met Ted?
1: Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you know, and it's it's like, um, just that thing. Uh, and, <laughs> I mean, if you want to be Machiavellian about it, yeah. it's also like, yeah, collect favors. You know? Yeah, exactly. So that's the, the Italian. <laughs> I mean, American I was
0: gonna now. say, yeah, because like um, artistically, wingmanning people is something I love because, because like, you are there is also the satisfaction of oh, you're right. It, I do know the person that yeah, is perfect for this. It's
1: the only way to stay sane, almost <laughs> as well. And and you know, um, there is also, you know, um, but focus and also just picking yourself up like mm-hmm. drive and refusing to quit mm-hmm. uh, are probably like some of the most important things and for me that's scary because I've had really bad ADHD all my life yeah
0: um, you don't say I I know you've spoken to me more than once <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're, you're... <laughs> no once was enough but you know, we smell our own
1: um. Um, and I also have Something And now this is actually something where it gets a bit difficult. I'm over-informed. Yeah. Because both my parents are psychiatrists. And then on top of that, because I am a creative person as a storyteller, yeah. I'm over-informed. But I probably have uh cyclothymic bipolar too yeah, yeah. with some rapid cycling and of course because the way bipolar works, a tendency for much worse forms to
0: emerge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um That's and, my favorite thing is about the disease is it only gets it only gets worse as it goes on. Well That's yeah nice.
1: and I, I mean the crazy thing is, you know, um do you know K
0: Redfield Jameson? Yes. Yes. Um my folks actually know K Redfield yeah. Jameson <laughs> um i cut like i put that together um, like oh you lived in dc and oh should they probably know okay oh yeah yeah
1: and um i i would love to meet her at some point Mm -hmm. because you know it was actually like um i knew that i had a tendency for some kind of depression yeah i knew i had creative temperament um one thing i i do just want to say this and it Mm -hmm. is like just you know (laughs) stopping to drive a stave into the ground and say something that I think is important is Uh um there are two complementary tendencies one is in society as a whole including the arts and Mm -hmm. one is only in the arts which I think do more harm than good when it comes to um mental disorders mental illness and and you know just neurotypical which is this idea that of course we all know the stigma yeah. which is a fucking horror show yeah and uh it is uh a, and it's a problem and it only makes this stuff worse because you know what improves every kind of uh mental disorder? Isolation. Uh-huh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, isolation and burying it deep just fixes <laughs> everything in that
0: not-at-all sort of way. As much as I don't like the movie Frozen, the that whole idea <laughs> is about, actually kind you, of nice. You,
1: you mean about how her parents are the worst. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the <laughs> literal worst. Girl, anyway.
1: Girl needed Charles Xavier or something bad.
0: Oh, absolutely. But
1: so, um there's that tendency but then there's also the romanticization oh, yeah. tendency and this also idea that you can't be an artist unless you're a bit crazy and okay there's the there's the version of that which is true in which the crazy in terms of you know crazy like a fox like a bit outside <laughs> the box but then there's the fact no you can be creative without mm-hmm. having uh you know something a, wrong uh, like a diagnosis yeah yeah but at at the same time it's not that it's not that you're doomed or that there's mm-hmm. necessarily a problem if you do have these things. Yeah. But it's also not like they're required. You yeah. don't have to be a suffering artist, or, yeah. suffering, starving artist. Um, that said, artists are, regardless mm-hmm. of, you know, genetic phenotype, mm-hmm. ne- um, neuro or psychological state, a uh, dramatic bunch.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely, and um, I would also make the argument that there are an equal amount of neurotypical and uh, neuroregular people in every field, because, like, it is this thing um, to, like, we have all had a lot of presidents that are mentally ill, and that's... Well, probably.
1: Yeah, probably, prob- because they, they didn't is, have the DS, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, th- but this is also a very important note, which is, you know, my dad was asked more than a few times mm-hmm. by people, and I'm not sure, but probably even some people inquired Mm -hmm. i i don't know i can't say but i imagine it could happen um is trump insane type x and Mm -hmm. usually it's sociopathic or psychopathic and you know as a psychiatrist the first there's a two-tier answer is I can't diagnose somebody from afar. Yeah. Which everyone's like, that's such a cop out I just like, like no, no, that's you, ethics. Ex- that's yeah. like <laughs> um you have no idea yeah. what side you're saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, does he seem like a danger to humanity? Sure.
0: Yeah. But that also has nothing <laughs> to do with whether or not you're mentally ill because on no. the same no. Tolkien, like, Lincoln was also presumed to have bipolar disorder. Yeah, at the very
1: less, at least major
0: depression, but yeah. probably bipolar. But you know
1: you know who's a jerk? Mm. Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, yeah,
0: he was it. Did not know. Well, you, you know
1: also... I, but I like that museum of his. Well, the, uh, the reason I'm calling him a jerk in this case isn't mm-hmm. because of all of the highly questionable things he did. Not all of that. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> That's bad, but, you know, in the presidential jerk race, so old genocidal bloody jackson i think has <laughs> has a soon-to-be-topped mantle but um but uh the thing about teddy roosevelt is and and i think um in one of her books i think it might be touched by, yeah, by, touched by fire. fire yeah um okay redfield jameson posits he very well could have had bipolar disorder mm-hmm. fixed in the hypomanic and manic phase mm-hmm. which also if if and mostly in the hypomanic yep and if you've ever experienced hypomania mm-hmm. it's just like jerk oh, so, yeah. Like, if It's yeah just...
0: if i could just be there all yeah. the time it's, yeah. it's... it's just like agitation agitation and just doing things and everyone's moving yeah, too yeah. slowly you,
1: you know also it's just at that
0: level yeah. below mm-hmm. the
1: below the point where you no longer can even tra- keep track keep tracking yourself yeah because you know as you and that i think is actually one of the things which is most anxiety inducing Mm -hmm. about being on the bipolar spectrum Mm -hmm. is you get conditioned to a point where it's like i have to monitor if my mood gets too low Mm -hmm. and if my mood gets too high absolutely it's like damn these two poles (laughs) (laughs) like like, because i've (laughs) been going oh
0: i feel really great i had a really great day oh shit Okay, do and I feel too great? Yeah. I <laughs> like you you have a hard time they're they gauging they're, that. And I mean to
1: a certain degree, it's impossible. You know, okay. and it's impossible to fully do. And this is part of why you can't be fully isolated and yeah. you can't isolate yourself, you know. But in at times this can also feed into so much anxiety. For me, I've often I always feel like I'm struggling to get to where I want to be in terms of the art and getting things done. Yeah. yeah. But over the last year, it's been tough for a variety of reasons, Mm -hmm. a lot of which aren't necessarily bad as long as I get my way out of them. Okay. But, you know, I had my longest period of both underemployment and not being able to get enough freelance not being able to push myself to do enough applications and i've been Mm -hmm. producing this feature-length documentary with my friend who's the Mm. other producer director and editor it's mainly his film but i'm the producer on it right yeah and we're so close to done we should Mm -hmm. be sending it to festivals by end of february yeah so you know we're in picture lock and stuff but i'm like even this, just trying to hold on and finish this, most of which has been going great. Mm -hmm. Then I had to do a bit of creative work on it because we're so, you you know, we're running a a skeleton crew here. We're the only two full-time people on the film. Yeah. But, and you know, I was doing a bit of animation for it, but I'm like, why am I struggling to meet this deadline on Mm -hmm. our film, you know? And it's like, and I'll get stuck in my head being like, why aren't I doing stuff, you know, and yeah. why, why? And, but at the same time, and, you know, my best friend, Rowan, um, whose first novel, uh, her name's Rowan Hisayo Buchanan. She's, um, American, a, uh, British, mm-hmm. like, I think three-eighth Scottish, one-eighth English, um, Chinese and Japanese. Dope. Um, yeah, she is... Got That sounds ill as hell. <laughs> <laughs> She's one of my favorite people on the planet. But uh-huh. her first novel, um, which is called Harmless Like You, came out in the UK in August. Uh-huh. And it comes out in the US in February. Okay. And I'm trying to get her feedback on her second novel, which I can't say anything further about. Yeah. But, you know, that's another thing where I'm just like, can I get... I I desperately want to be reading this. Ironically, Mm -hmm. the... I get the majority of my literature fill right now, yeah, mainlined as audiobooks. Oh, absolutely. And for me, it's not that I don't love reading; I do, but mm-hmm. it's that you know I can draw, I can do certain mm-hmm. kinds of editing while listening to audiobooks. There are certain kinds of work, writing, certain reading, and mm-hmm. editing, especially video editing or audio editing, where you need almost nothing else going on because yeah. you got to take all your senses. But, ironically, the one way in which I really do read now is giving friends feedback Uh on, like, stories, novels, you know, scripts. Yeah. Um, Which is a lot of fun. I like doing that. Currently, I feel slightly more confident as an editor than I do as a writer. Fair enough. But not because I don't believe I can be a a good writer. It's more because I keep generating first drafts Uh and sketches. And this is kind of true across arts. like... Yeah, I'm restlessly productive. I'm always making something, mm-hmm. but I don't need to make sketches. I need to finish stuff. And that tension yeah. gets to be a lot. And the thing is, I'm in a good position to probably get through it and probably get through it well. I have a lot of support, a lot of friends who are making it, and things that I'm frankly privileged and lucky to have. And I don't feel guilty about that but i also don't feel entitled to it i feel lucky i feel appreciative i try to pay it forward and help other people out however i can but i have all these things working in my favor and a lot of projects that look like they could very much come together Mm -hmm. but they haven't yet yeah and until they do you know some kind of combination of just pure anxiety and like imposter syndrome and all mm-hmm. this stuff i'm not one who gets jealous yeah of friends but i do get this sense of panic and that the panic is not that i wish they were going slower but if i don't keep up pace uh-huh. i'll get left behind and i won't get to spend this time and make stuff and talk with and be at the same level uh with some of the most important people in my life like mm-hmm. if i can't hold on to them in that way i'll get you know necessarily excised from relevancy mm. <laughs> um again none of that is actually logical yeah no but you know it's 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 yeah. how,
0: how it works i think anyone who has any kind of social anxiety um has that and then also it's this thing of like specifically being on um the bipolar spectrum there's this thing of uh they tend to people who have bipolar disorder tend to be a lot more empathetic towards other people they tend to place a lot of stock in other people besides themselves for some reason at least this has been my experience and so when you put a lot of emphasis on other people and then they reject you or that you think you think that everyone's going better or faster than you and you're constantly but little do you know everyone feels that way about everybody no no and that's constantly what you have to remind yourself someone's looking at your life and going man i wish i had that
1: no absolutely which is wonderful and it's it's true but you you know it's and what you said about empathy is Mm -hmm. such a true thing because i often feel like one thing is like i feel like my empathy runs in overdrive to yeah. the point of distraction to the yep. point of you know it's like um, one classic one that I've discussed with some of my friends is it is downright painful, especially if I'm lo- alone, to mm-hmm. watch scenes of embarrassment. Yes, it's awful. Right? I just, I can't do it. I, <laughs> no. I, I, I'll, I, oddly enough, I can do it in a group. and uh-huh. I can appreciate the need and purpose for them. Yes. And I'll use them in my own work. Mm-hmm. But if I'm watching something, it's like, no, 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 no fast forward. Yeah, I've yep. seen it before. I know what happens. The,
0: <laughs> the ending <laughs> of Mrs. Doubtfire. Is the worst thing in the world to me. <laughs> I just literally, I become so tense and so uncomfortable. I like, cause we're all having this great time watching this wonderful movie, yeah. And then I just become the most agitated motherfucker in the room. And people are like, "What's wrong?" I'm like, "He just needs to not lie. That's all he needs to do." Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, anyway, yeah, uh, but you, James Bond almost dies. What? <laughs> Poor Pierce Brosnan.
1: You know what? He's actually one of my favorite Bonds, not the top of my list, no, no. and not for any logical reason except that I saw him first.
0: Yep. And I love Goldeneye. <laughs> yep. The video game's good too. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's fun. Yeah. He's,
1: he's yeah. He's fun. Oh, for um, sure. Uh, but um, one of the best descriptions of that kind of, you know, embarrassment, like just. I almost want to call it phobia, but it's almost more of an allergy.
0: It's like a re- um, reverse Schadenfreude. Yeah,
1: yeah, and also that's another thing for me is that any love to hate kind of show, I can, I can at best kind of enjoy. Like there are mm-hmm. episodes of It's Always Sunny I like. Yeah. But in the end, I'm like,
0: these are just shitty it's people.
1: Such a well made show about terrible people. Yeah, exactly. Who I don't like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah um but uh so uh, along those lines in his book anansi boys neil gaiman has one of the Mm -hmm. best most concise descriptions of that tendency that like severe aversion to embarrassing scenes yes um and it's just the great detail about the main character Fat Charlie, who is of course chronically embarrassed because his father is a trickster god.
0: Uh huh. <laughs> As you do, y- you know, like you do, <laughs> dads.
1: Um, Nazi Boys is actually, I think, perhaps grown to be my favorite Neil Gaiman novel. Uh, that's fair. Over time, I, for the record, I'm one of the people who really likes American Gods. Also, I love it. Also, though, I completely understand why it's so divisive both in terms of style and things that occur in it i can understand Let, let's face it there's shit that is downright triggering in american gods oh, and i yeah. cannot fault a person for running into that yeah or even running into a perspective of which parts of it are told and being like i'm out yeah uh, i that love saying that but i'm out
0: <laughs> that weird reverse vor scene with yeah. Billquist. It's bizarre, there's a radio drama version of it that's the only, like, I've listened to, Fall Asleep to it a lot, um, but yeah, I... I'm looking forward to the fucking show. Oh, it looks so Ian good. Ian Except for, um, so, my main, yeah, it's perfect, except for he doesn't have a beard. He needs a beard, why don't they have him have a beard? Because, admittedly, when, um, Wednesday is talking in my mind, I imagine George R.R. R. Martin. I just straight up do. <laughs> that, like, level of beardness... That's is great. who I imagine as... Yeah, so i'm just like well it's almost perfect but anyway um it's 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 uh it's
1: an interesting one the thing that i imagine with that is that he will like be bearded in some of eventually the, like, and in some of the, like when they're s- stepping into
0: like a like realm yeah and then also you know? like it spans over the course of like a year and a half two years yeah so
1: definitely something which is best suited to mm, be a series uh, a series ironically though Nonstop boys continues to grow on me because as i re-listen to it mm. it is the fucking funniest thing <laughs> he's ever written and, all right and also i say this as somebody whose favorite thing that he's written is still and will always be sam
0: i've it. never read oh <laughs> okay um but you're saying about this person who's chronically embarrassed is there a specific passage that you were well, referring to or yeah, just like yeah. go it's, to that it's to basic understand?
1: it's basically the the it's early in the book and it boils down to what we said it's like yeah. if he's alone he'll fast forward if he's in a group yeah. especially of just two he'll leave the
0: room you <laughs> know? It's like, yeah it's like oh can't do this no nope. <laughs> i feel too much for these people um, but it it is uh,
1: it is also funny to think of that book because I'm not sure have you read it? No. Well, I, I'd recommend okay. reading it <laughs> in regards to also thinking about people having modes and yeah. kind of a high mode and a lot a low mode mm-hmm. and how that can be kind of creatively embodied through ca- a character or characters. Um, Oh, yeah, for sure. But, so, you know, for me, like, so many arts and creative stuff both come easy, but I've got this weird combination of being raised by scientists, but scientists who always loved the arts. Yeah. My parents, um, now keep in mind, you know a lot of the same people I know, but then you also know I've been to USC and NYU film schools. My parents see more movies in theaters than anyone else I know. Huh. and everyone else i know is like yeah. actors film people, people <laughs> super in into arts. that shit yeah and they're still working research scientists they usually see let me think two to four movies in theaters a week they they often run into a point. Oh. They're currently at a point where they're like, we're out of movies, <laughs> and, and, and they're like, they're so glad to live in places like yeah. uh, L.A. and New York now because yeah. it's like, oh, we get everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, Quick to the French cinema. Yeah. Um, and uh, the the funny thing is, um, you know uh that they do this and now they're glad also be able to go to Broadway more. Yeah. We've hosted concerts yeah. at our house and thrown house concerts. I yeah. sometimes help with that in shooting video. I'm I'm looking into what's it called? It's like so Sound or something. There's a service for organizing yeah. house concerts for like um not just for pleasure but for profit. Yes. <laughs> and you know, payment is good. Yeah. <laughs>
0: generally. Um
1: Uh, but, so, they do that, but then they also raise me in this world of science and stuff, where, Mm -hmm. with so many of the friends I have, I'm often having to say, you know, I love being there for people, and being a confidant, and listening Mm -hmm. to this stuff, but you gotta understand, when I'm telling you that I am not... Psychiatrist. yeah you (laughs) have to believe me i am not
0: going to school for it i mean i've
1: been raised through it but it's like not up. yeah if if i'm telling you we might have to go (laughs) try and reach out to somebody let's consider it yeah i I can't i can't force you um that has to be an interesting power though because like my parents do have the ability to commit people and um fascinating yes i'm not sure either of them ever has okay. at least not non-consensually yeah like um of course this is part of the intent of the power but you know yeah. there were some lines about you know if we can lure the president elect to the right <laughs> state i think i can make a strong argument for it being <laughs> a present danger to himself another that's fair um all that taken
0: with what we said before in a yeah. more real sense Um, the two things that occurred to me number one i almost had the um opposite problem when i got my diagnosis of like trying to diagnose all my friends with everything and like i did a bunch of research because like a huge part uh, of
1: well this this is the thing i reflexively do oh yeah this is just but i'm trained to stop yeah myself and 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 because people don't really like that well yeah but it's well it's more than that, too, is people. Some of my friends have literally told me we basically consider you a psychiatrist by proxy, and I'm like, I can help. I can help you get to the right people. I have access, but no, no, I, no. I don't even play one on TV. <laughs> I'm an artist raised by them. Uh-huh. Um, but it's it is this um it is this funny thing though in my life where I've had a few like mentors and and people say things to me where i'm like i really appreciate that comment Uh, like that compliment and that comment i also find it highly worrying Mm. um uh, and here are three great examples one is like my first freshman like uh dfs digital frame and sequence project where basically our end game is making a short film Mm -hmm. like la jeté Mm-hmm. So all still images in mm-hmm. sequence with sound. The first one I made was about a young man having a schizophrenic break. Mm-hmm. Um, and my parent and I will not let people see this. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be online on somewhere, but I'm not <laughs> giving the title or anything. You might still find, but I mean, I'm embarrassed the heck out of it. Made it as a freshman. You know? yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but so. Uh, my parents loved it and my dad like showed it to a colleague and he's like oh your son understands psychosis better than all of our residents <laughs> and I'm like thanks <laughs> so that that was one then another one and this one just kind of gets to the to the core of what we were talking about is one of my best mentors here in New York from NYU where I'm still in touch with a guy named uh, Yamane Demise
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, who's an African filmmaker great guy but he made what I think is the one of the most astute comments about my core creative struggle Mm -hmm. um, which is he said Eric, you're never going to be somebody for whom the problem is that you can't do whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. You're going to be somebody who will always have the problem that you can't possibly do everything you want to do. There isn't enough time. Mm -hmm. Um, So that one I just feel is like, yeah, that's spot on. Absolutely. Then uh, my last one, and this is a favorite of mine, is one one of the biggest personalities i know this animator tom Sito, mm-hmm. who worked at disney during the all the films on the 90s was the lead animator on the genie the mm-hmm. beast um is currently i think chair of animation at usc oh. um and um former head of the president of the union uh the hollywood animators union yeah just this big personality always full of stories bit of a human cartoon character himself and I say that in the best way but he said to me during my um, final year as I was working on my thesis he said to me Eric, it's been so great to watch you progress as an artist. It's like watching somebody try and bring an oil well fire down to a butane torch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's perfect. Yeah. I wish I did it so <laughs> properly fit into an analogy for fire. Uh huh. But you know,
0: I remember as a kid, I would like come up with these. Like we do science projects, and I'm like, oh, and then this would work like this way. And like, is there any way for to do this in my parents? Because I was homeschooled; they were the ones helping me out they would be like there's that this is too much you got to winnow it down and like so i totally feel you on on that idea of like i feel like i'm constantly i'm just re- well, switching things and yeah. trying to do so much because and a part of it the weird thing is cuz there's not enough time to do it all but that's part of the reason at least for me i feel like i try to do as much as i do because yeah. there's so little time you have on this earth so try a no, little bit and, of everything and
1: you know there's so many great things to do right now and this is just part of like putting myself in a restraint to get something done Uh my webcomic yeah uh extra existence it's all one word and with only an x at the beginning instead of an ex but i draw it entirely on my iphone okay i make it only on my iphone or with traditional media which i then finish on my iphone yeah and I do this both because I can and to keep it in this little box. Yes. Because I have my phone on me, you know. Yeah. And um, also because the future is magical in yep. many, many <laughs> Absolutely. ways. Absolutely. Um, again, my friend uh, George Westberg, who he and I just started our podcast mm-hmm. um, Zero Days Since, we're on a pilot right now, yep. which means we have like a one in three chance of surviving. We'll see. Yep. But, uh... I just slumps up because that kind of thing works so So well well in a (laughs) pocket but um so uh I remember saying I'm pretty sure I was saying to him a few years ago oh you know it's great to live in science fiction and it's it's like oh no you it's science fact now and I'm like I have a shiny piece of glass in my Uh pocket which is (laughs) more powerful than the entire (laughs) computing power that got
0: us to put a man on the moon. Um, Pat Oswald, when he's talking about movies because he released that book a couple of years yeah. ago was like I have more editing Capability in my pocket right now than than Orson Welles did on Citizen Kane. How messed up oh, is that also
1: though? He had more editing capability that he used because he's like okay with yep. these tricks that we're trying to do the yep. only way that we can figure them out is the hardest way possible, <laughs> all in camera. And it's just like My dude. <laughs> you glorious man. man. <laughs> it's it's just like it's one of these things where uh complete cinephile elitist jerks that I can be and so many of my yeah. friends can be. You can't appreciate though, it's like, oh well it it seems in many ways it holds up as a modern film. Yeah, but no, he made up all of this. Yeah. Everyone else used it after Absolutely <laughs> like Almost none of this existed. Before this film, we did have nonlinear editing. That's it. Everything else. <laughs> That's fair. Forced perspective, match cutting, it's all this stuff that wasn't
0: mm-hmm. there before. Um. Yeah, every time, going back a little bit, every time someone is, like, complaining about their phone not working, um, I'm like, well, at least you got one. Like, are you kidding? Like, it works at some point. It will work in the future. Just right now, you don't have service, and that's fine because, yeah. like, this thing is magic. What part of that don't you Although, understand? You know, the
1: funny thing is, too, I, I both completely agree with that, but we've also kind of... Um... Entered this interesting phase Uh of human history Where in so many things Necessity is no longer the mother of invention But like inconvenience, annoyance, and minor frustration Yes, It's like, (laughs) man, this is great that it can work this way But wouldn't it be better if it could work this way? Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah (laughs) Yeah. Um, Let's make that waterproof and put two cameras on it And now we can (laughs) shoot 4K And let me tell you, having worked with phones a bit the 4k thing is hilarious yeah because you literally have no need for it if you don't work as a video professional yeah. like you yeah. don't even have the tools to process that's, that's, and to usually yep. view 4k <laughs> footage as a consumer but i'm yeah. like you know what i'm happy. i <laughs> want it
0: i want it so much yeah have you um have you read the dark tower at all I haven't, I really should. Okay, there's this concept in it, because, like, it's this kind of post-apocalyptic thing. Um, like, that paper is scarce, and, and at one point, the main character, Roland of Gilead, um, has soda for the first time, and he's, like, blown away by this idea. And I've I've been listening to the audiobook versions over the last, like, year and a half or so, because they're each, like, 20 hours. It just takes me forever to plow through them. <laughs> um, but, uh... I
1: frustrate so many people because I... I I will love listening to a long thing, but I primarily do audiobooks for... Um, quality first versus like stuff I want to listen to yeah, over yeah. quantity. Where everybody's like, "No, I want something that's good and long as fuck." And I'm like, "That's great, but I'll get this short thing too." And they're like, "It's only five hours. Mm. Why are you using?
0: Your... <laughs> Why did you use a credit on that? It's exactly. only fifteen dollars. Just do it." That that Audible life, but yeah, um, exactly. Um, but the, the, you were saying yeah, Dark the, Tower, yeah. The yeah, that the, concept has made me so grateful for every little thing I have because yeah. we don't live in this other world and i know it's a fictionalized word but we easily could like things yeah. could fall apart so when i just write something down on a piece of paper i'm like oh thank god oh i'm i'm not feeling well i can take medicine this is wonderful yeah. and i think you have to live every, i you don't have to but life is better when you live every day grateful for what you have yeah and i think you should and always we, go we for better do but we have
1: so much but we mm. also we, we got to keep going for oh better. for sure and i mean you know Again, because I am, despite myself, a very, at times, Mm -hmm. politically-minded person. And it's been a rough year because Uh I am a very, very progressive person. As I pointed out, my family either escaped from or escaped from the preface to, you know, like, fascist Europe. Yeah. And, you know, this is the thing so true for so many... Because I remember a friend of mine said, you know, almost a year ago, a friend of mine who is an American said on, like, Facebook, you know, the rest of the world is laughing at us for Mm -hmm. America. Obviously, this is in pre-Brexit days. When uh, (laughs) nobody's laughing anymore except out of sheer desperation. Uh Uh-huh. But, so, um, you said everybody's laughing at us. And I'm just like, as somebody who's both European Mm -hmm. and American, let me tell you everyone i know in europe isn't laughing we're horrified yeah we've seen this picture before mm-hmm. and the ending is kind of rough mm-hmm. like
0: the worst <laughs> yeah and it's this thing of like the scale of of someone like that coming to power into the u.s because right now we're the second most powerful i would say second most because china has a lot of going on going for it well there are but,
1: so many hard things to say about that but yeah. you're you're talking about the upper echelons yeah power. so like with with america america probably still has the most total net power based on military strength yeah that's fair um but russia has a similar or even higher nuclear mm-hmm. capability of course the whole thing there which you'd hope people would fucking remember mm-hmm. is that a modern nuke can be launched before another nuke lands yeah which is you know This whole mutually assured destruction concept, but what can I say? Schools have been defunded. Yeah. Um, (laughs) The only way to win is not to play.
0: Yeah, yeah. We had a movie. We had a few. We We had strange (laughs) love. We had war games.
1: Yeah. Uh. Um. But uh, but the thing is, you know, the eurozone is the biggest economy in the world. Um. the u.s is this the biggest technically single nation economy in the world um china and japan both have huge economies but then of course europe doesn't have a unified military because Mm -hmm. it's not one country it's this multi-state federation the eurozone is um and then you know i don't know canada's got the majority of ice and (laughs) decent people apparently Apparently. running their government i like this not that there aren't decent people elsewhere but they're apparently not in the government yeah
0: (laughs) i like also like the us has this audacity to like have this amount of space and land to go oh we one person can we're all good being one clump whereas like every other country kind of goes this is too much we got to divide up and like figure out something here well
1: i i mean you know i mean you see this you see this in the americas to a certain degree but the yeah. thing is the u.s didn't start as one country oh, i'd yeah. argue right now it's sure as fuck not acting like one. Oh, absolutely not you know and this this is kind of the thing this is actually one of the most reassuring things actually is you can't take over america like you could take over germany yeah you can it's more like trying to take over all of europe Mm -hmm. and let me tell you the west coast isn't going to go quietly yeah new york is bad at shutting up you know all all these things (laughs) what no and and when other stuff splinter if you start doing something texas won't like and it's it's an opportunity to quote unquote texas it (laughs) it very well might which I did see some people were apparently sharing that post-Brexit. Ooh, um, funny. But, I I mean, it it is, it is a bizarre time to mm-hmm. be alive. This is another problem we sometimes have as artists, but also in general. But I feel, especially, there are t- ironically two groups of people who have this struggle. And it's people in the arts and people in military tradition. Which is yeah. the sense of, I don't live in an interesting enough time like, a time with enough struggle, mm. right? And I'm like, you know what? No, it would It would have been good to stay out of <laughs> the Yeah. I mean, listen, it'll make good material because this is the only way we know how to process <laughs> <Yeah>. the world.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> it is this thing of, like, um, Pat Oswalt even said, um, when when Bush was in office, like, wouldn't you rather, you know, he, that's most of your material right now. Are you, what are you going to do? He's like, I would rather have him not in office and have to figure out something else because I, that's bigger than my jokes. What part of that don't you understand? And it's a similar thing with yeah. Trump. Like, everyone's like, aren't you glad because that's going to be like four to eight years of material. No. I'm like, no, I oh, would rather also,
1: For the record, it's going, in my opinion, it's going to be four years or an uncomfortably indeterminate all <laughs> the time because that's that's the thing trump doesn't get to continue being president by winning the next election he gets to continue being czar by canceling the next I see, election I that's, see. That, that's that's my super I... optimistic theory
0: <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i um i feel like he's foolish enough to listen to everyone around him and because of that it's going to be a weird process well, kind
1: of here's my read on it i've been saying i think that a lot of people are playing a dangerous game with trump some of them might even understand it good example there i think is putin yeah because here's the thing i think is ultimately true about dealing with trump yep easy to influence impossible to control yeah you can push him but you can't stop it yeah and in the end he's driven by this urge to be the best person and above everyone else but yeah. then get all these kinds of affirmation mm-hmm. he's going to surround himself with yes men um, <laughs> that's not going to work out well for him and then this is my most negative point and some part of me still thinks this is true but it was around like the end of the uh, the like uh The, you know, nomination, the RNC. Yeah. Nomination. Debacle. Yeah, well, that's going to be a frequent word for the description of history for the next uh, certain number of years. Yeah. Uh, But the thing is, sorry. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Uh, But um, I thought, you know what? I now know with certainty that Trump is going to lose. The only question is is he going to lose to Hillary Clinton, a foreign power, or a revolution? Hm. And I honestly think it's in everybody's best interest, hmm. including his, though he can't see it, to
0: lose to Hillary Clinton. Yeah. There was this magnificent there's this magnificent photo of him winning, and you can just see in his eyes I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> like he's just like I have no idea what I'm doing. Good God. And it's, like, it's kind of scary. You see
1: that every now and then. But then, you know, what's scarier is what that man can uh, undo mm. with uh, 140 characters.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, uh, God, somebody get him off Twitter. Yeah. just I do like how the people running Twitter are kind of just allowing it to happen.
1: Well, I mean, they're also... Like, and I get well, their like, policy. But they've like... also tried to crack down more yeah. on, you know... White supremacist, nationalist, yep. what, whatever stupid word we're using for these neo Nazis now. Nazis. That's right. Have you heard of Nazi cola? No. Okay. What it is is it, it is a um, novelty soda, and it is N O T S E E uh-huh. cola.
0: Does it make you blind? No, it
1: doesn't. It is just uh very faithful but not completely accurate but as good as they could get a recreation of Crystal Pepsi (laughs) but they put it in this bottle with all of the imagery and graphic design that you would associate with Nazi
0: got? why you gotta make a good thing bad why you gotta do that to me well Uh. you know what now they got Crystal
1: Pepsi again so I think their niche (laughs) has closed that's fair But it's, oh, I mean, this is the kind of thing where, you know, and to bring everything full circle, Mm -hmm. I was actually canvassing in Philly on election day. Okay. And as we were riding back on the bus and seeing the stuff coming in, I mean, the thing was, we had to realize, and the thing was, the most depressing points were actually long before... It became apparent that Trump was going to win the electoral college and also, Mm -hmm. you know, fuck this system We need to either completely reshape it or eliminate it Mm -hmm. Um, It's at best dated. It's far more likely actively undermining Mm -hmm. Democracy and the will of the people by millions of votes now, Mm -hmm. but there was a point before any victor had been declared where it honestly looked like the majority of people had voted for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the darkest times I could remember in my life in terms of my feeling to the country of my birth, to one of my two Mm -hmm. countries that I call home. Because, you know, I was born in D.C. I'm a third generation child of immigrants on one side and the first generation on the other side. I have friends of every orientation, gender identity, um, race, creed. My America is this blended mosaic of diverse people who can find opportunities. And for a moment there, I had this feeling like the majority of my country was telling me, my home, the place I was born in, was telling me, you and everyone you love is not welcome here. We want you gone. Yeah. Now, ironically some of the worst parts of what's going on have helped reassure me. Yeah. Like the reality, first of all, ironically we charted the extreme number of places I've lived. Mhm. Um DC, Maryland, uh <laughs> Rhode Island, yep. uh most of New York State, California. Yep all of them voted for clinton mm-hmm. by sizable yep. and at times even growing in, in california and dc's case which didn't even seem possible <laughs> in either of those cases but majorities and additionally portugal there was a poll done in yeah. portugal might not be a fully scientific poll but it's entertaining nonetheless that they would have voted for, um, Portugal is extremely, extremely liberal. Yeah. Um, at least currently. Uh-huh. Uh, again, we were under a fascist dictatorship 30 years ago. Makes this, sense. Things can have a funny effect. Things um, kick back, huh? Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, there was this, this, uh, poll done, and they found that Portugal would have voted for, um, Hillary by over 80%. Nice. Also, keep in mind, ironically, Hillary is really popular everywhere in the Western Europe world that isn't America. Yeah. Um. And also, she tends to be popular when she has a job, which unfortunately we're not going to get to yep. see right now mm-hmm. because fuck everything. But, you know, that was the concise and perhaps slightly unfair version of putting <laughs> it. But it it is just this thing where um, it's actually. I was t- talking with my cousin Inez and we were saying, you know, the irony is that the Portuguese, we've actually had kind of a banner year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had more growth than any other EU member nation. Um, we ran for four days at a zero or negative carbon cost entirely on renewable energy. The The country did. We're very good at mm-hmm. green energy. Um, we the newest um, Secretary General of the UN, who many are saying might be one of the best, is our, the first Portuguese Secretary General, a former Prime Minister of mm-hmm. the name Guterres, or It's it's the Portuguese version of mm-hmm. uh We just pronounce some things differently. Because yes. It's not actually the same language. Mm-hmm. Closely related, but different. Um, and we won the Euro. Which was our first major title, and we got to get one for for our boy Ronaldo, and, uh, you know, CR7 getting his, his, and I mean, all the better, because although, as I've said before, I don't enjoy Schadenfreude most of the time, and I don't normally follow sports, it's hard when you're a Portugal fan not to be slightly uh-huh. be happy that Argentina and Messi did yeah. it, which isn't fair at all, um, but... <laughs>
0: It's still there. You're human. <laughs> We're human.
1: Yeah. Also, it actually... Uh, I won't waste time on it, but how Portugal won the Euro mm-hmm. is downright fucking surreal. Like, it played... The final game played out like an impossible sports uh-huh. movie uh, because, actually, uh, Ronaldo got injured out of it in the first, like, 15 minutes. Mm. Like, just sideswiped, and his leg, like, is ankle and his knee twisted mm-hmm. in opposite directions mm-hmm. and then he struggled like three more times until he was taken off the field in a stretcher giving his captain's armband to the other oldest member of the <laughs> team and then but he came back on as like the second coach for the team for the <laughs> second half and he told this one guy you're going to get the goal <laughs> and it's this guy that nobody really believed it because he had been at, at, uh-huh. at Chelsea and had it it made good, but then he gets it and mm-hmm. it's this crazy goal and it's like Yeah, it's just like fiction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like though, all of this plays yeah. out to the point where here's the thing, if Portugal's having the best year of any member of the the EU, mm-hmm. it's actually kind of a counter signal to everything being yeah. trouble elsewhere. It's like, uh-huh. you know, things have been bad, but good on you, Delaware. You? <laughs> it's like <laughs> That makes sense. (laughs) It's just like, that's probably not the best sign in the world.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I understand why that temptation is to... Get out. Yeah. There. But for I real. Mean,
1: at, at the same time, though, it is. You like, got to stay home and work. I, well, I've got to stay home and work, but I've also got to work there. It's like, and I do want to live and work in Europe. I always have, but the fact of the matter is, the work is everywhere. Yeah. These for same sure. problems are occurring everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's like some of my friends who are British. Uh, And, you know, like like I said, my best friend is, others are too, and I'm not speaking for any one of them in particular, but speaking for some of them and some for other friends too, it's like, they're like, we grew up as EU citizens and British citizens. Yeah. This is like, and, you know, youth voted like 70% or more to remain in the EU, and as we found out in post, many of them only voted against as a joke they mm-hmm. thought
0: this won't happen. Yeah. Oh. Uh, don't do that poor ever. Poor naive people. Yeah, never do that.
1: But um, the thing is, they're like, I've had half of my citizenship, citizenship stripped away from me. Yeah. You know, against my will. And it's yeah. like, this is a, you know, to steal a line from John Oliver, which was actually a line that, that is now let me think, nine years old, mm-hmm. from his first stand-up special. Yeah. We live in terrifying times. Yeah. Also, if you've ever seen that special, it ends with an absolutely beautiful thing about, uh, you know, vandalizing people's Wikipedia pages. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And his great one about mm-hmm. um, <laughs> George W. Bush is not a president, but a performance yes. artist, <laughs> whose four-year installation, forty-third <laughs> president of the United States. Ah, oh,
0: simpler times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think uh, we ought to wrap up. Yeah, there. but it's been really good talking to you. No,
1: I- I'd love to come back another time, and it's been great talking with you too. And yeah. let me know. You know, I'll, I'll try and hit back and see if there's a conversation you'd like to have on our podcast. Oh, sure.
0: We Anything know. to do with Star Wars Lord of the Rings or... Um, no, that's pretty much it.
1: No. <laughs> you know what? I think we might find a way to fit Star Wars or uh, Lord of the Rings into our podcast that literally has the subtitle Unavoidably Nerdy Discussion. Yes, <laughs> maybe. No, it's been my pleasure, man. This yeah. has been great. Thank you.
0: You cannot be now. Yeah. But you can try. You can try, you can try. No more. You can tell me now. Yeah. Now tell me why. Tell me why, so tell why. Me why. Restless and crazy and dead. Yeah. My mind is hazy, I don't yeah. realize my lady is gone till I fly. Billy Conahan. Welcome to the show. Even with it in the nether fly. Enjoy the ride. I'm Bridget Cosgrove. I'm Tristan Miller. Tell me, Tristan, how do you feel about history? I mean, I like it, except it's the most boring thing I've ever experienced in my whole entire life, and I want it to stop. Hmm. If only there was a way that we could make you feel better about that. Yeah, like if it was, like, funny and engaging and interesting with two people I really like. Yeah, you know, I think I might have solved your problem. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's our own podcast, Blank History Month. Oh, that sounds really good. Yeah, it's great. When does it come out? Uh, every Wednesday. Oh, I'll do that then. Yeah, it'll be great. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs)